You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum listeners and welcome to the Q&A show on Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. I'm your host today Azhar Sheikh and I will soon be joined by Usman Abdul Qayyum. Today's topic is on the um, topic of Salah, which is quite a broad topic um, and it can go down many, many routes. On the show today, we are joined by Sheikh Abdul Rahim Risat. He is based in Dewsbury, West Yorkshire, and he teaches on the ground and online under the name of uh, Faithful Education, and it's at the Bradford Muslim College. At the moment, he's also currently working on a unique tafsir course set to launch after Ramadan. And just a reminder, let us know if you have any questions at all. It can cover from any parts of Salah, coming from Juma, or if you've missed any prayers, or if you wanted to make up prayers, if you're a traveller, or if there's certain things even that could invalidate your prayer. So we should have the Sheikh on the line just now. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Azhar. How are you? Alhamdulillah, Sheikh. How are you keeping? Alhamdulillah, I'm very well, thank you. How is your Ramadan going so far? Uh, too quickly. Too quick. Yes, agreed, agreed. Nearly halfway. <laughs> yeah, it is. Alhamdulillah. May Allah allow us to benefit from it. Amen. Amen. Um, so, just to give an overview from, um, obviously we're covering the topic of Salah today. Um, so, obviously we know it's one of our main pillars of Islam, but even if you could give us just a quick overview of the significance and the importance of Salah and how it can benefit us in, in this life and also in the next. Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi sahbihi jma'in Allahumma alimna ma yinfa'na yinfa'na wa ta'alimna ya rahman rahimin Okay, the significance of the salah Well, in Islam to look at the significance of anything uh, Any act of worship that's been legislated or any uh, belief You look beyond it, you look above it, you look to Allah And uh, the salah is something which Allah has commanded to do, uh, commanded us to us to perform. Uh, one of the Egyptian uh, ulama, uh, Sidi Ibn Atta'illah al-Sakandari, he makes a he mentioned a very remarkable point. He said, Allah has made certain things obligatory on you, amongst these salah, zakah, whatever. But in reality, all He's actually made obligatory on you is to enter paradise, and these are just the steps to take to get there. So, it's, Salah is, is something that Allah has given us, and we can use it as a means of thanking Him. In fact, one of the, one of the scholars of uh, the Hanafi school, he mentioned that the reason why we pray is to thank Allah for the continuous shower of blessings that we're receiving, receiving at every moment. Um, you know, how many of us woke up disabled this morning? How many of us woke up? Uh, being bombed, how many woke up in prison, how many woke up, uh, I would say without any food, but <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. it's Ramadan. Yeah. Um, so we're constantly getting blessings, and a salah is a, is a connection to Allah, in order A, to thank Him, and B, to ask Him for the ability to continue uh, on the way of Iman, and, and the way of, of gratitude, and the way of submission to Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh, appreciate that. Um, we've already started to get quite a few of the questions in um, for the topic. One of them has come, uh, come from uh, one of the brothers. He's asking, how can I increase my presence of heart in prayer? As in, how can I really embrace the prayer and I, I won't lose track of what I'm saying? Or if it's in a congregational prayer, how can I really increase my concentration? Okay, 
Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I suppose the first thing to do is learn the meaning of the words of the prayer. Because mm-hmm. then you can actually connect. Even if you don't know Arabic, you can at least connect, at least connect with the Fatiha, at least connect with the, the prompt the Imam is giving. And each one of these things has a real deep meaning. So just learning these and reflecting on them slightly. Another way to increase your, your presence of heart in the prayer is, and I, I found this to be quite effective, is just think, what can I not do with, sorry, what can I not do without in my life? You have a car, I need my car. So before you start a prayer, pick one of these things and make, make this thing the thing you're going to thank Allah for during this prayer. So, for example, you have a car, you need a car, without it, your day just wouldn't fun- wouldn't, wouldn't go very well. Mm-hmm. So feel gratitude for that, uh, for, for that car during the whole prayer. Make it that focus. Feel gratitude that you're, a, that you're a believer and you've been granted Iman. So just focusing on one thing and you can make it permeate your entire prayer. And this also helps if you're praying alone or if you're praying behind the Imam. So, for example, in Zuhr and Asr, when the Imam is reciting silently, people ask, what do I do? Do I just stand there? So, no, this is something you can actually do to keep yourself busy. And it is, it is of the essence of worship itself, gratitude to Allah. Okay, Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh. Uh, we've got a question here, Sheikh, about um, what distance do you travel uh, to make yourself eligible to read uh, the shorter Salah? Slightly similar to that, we've also got another question about the direction of the prayer, the Qibla. So someone's asking um, if they don't know, if they're uncertain about the direction of the prayer, should they repeat it when they're more certain? Right. Okay. Um, the travelling distance, as you know from the Hadith of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's a mention of three days and three nights. Mm-hmm. Um, this was understood by the ulama to mean uh, a flat surface because obviously you'll cover less distance if you're going uphill, for example. So this is a realm. Of, this is in the realm of ishtihad. So many scholars have uh, tried to calculate what this is in miles. Um, there's a strong position. Um, this is a position which I personally follow, which is of 57.5 miles. And you know many of the scholars from the Indian subcontinent. And even even Syria have come to this conclusion of 57.5 miles. Okay. <coughs> um, however, others do also say it's 48 miles. Um, 57.5 miles. I like this position. Um, it makes it easier in some perspectives. Also, as you know, this is the distance um, for um, for the travel distance for ladies as well. So it just gives mm-hmm. them a bit more leeway, a, a bit more scope to for their journeys. Okay, Jazakallah yeah. uh, Okay, and for the, the Qibla issue, um, the only time, uh, when you're faced with a situation you don't know where the Qibla is, what you're expected to do is make an educated guess. Look at the look at the sky, look at where the sun is setting, and try to figure out the Qibla. Or, if there's someone, if there's an upright Muslim person that you can find, that you ask them. Um, in the absence of, these situation, of this situation, um, you have to actually get, uh, make an educated guess. Now, if you were to make an educated guess and you prayed in a particular direction, you've discharged the obligation. You've done what is expected of you. Mm-hmm. So, if you were to be wrong, you don't have to repeat the prayer. The only situation where you would have to repeat the prayer is you don't know the Qibla, 
and you don't try to find out, you just face anywhere and you pray. And in that situation, you'd be, you'd be expected to um, to repeat the prayer. Okay, so perhaps you could um, apply that to someone who maybe just stops in a car park to pray and just, I don't know, maybe it's night time and they can't figure it out. They're maybe just about to... Um, go into the time for the next prayer and so they just pray in whatever direction They only that person in that scenario uh, when they're not sure and they haven't gone to any means to try and find out the direction only they should repeat the prayer afterwards is that is that correct? Yes Okay. Yes. if you've made no attempt to find out Okay inshallah um, Jazakallah khair we've got another question here about um, is reading shorter namaz affected by the mode of transport um, so I think they're, tra- they're talking about the travel prayer uh, they're saying i.e. Yeah. 100 miles by car is not the same as 100 miles by air. So whilst you uh, whilst you would not fast in the long flight, would that also be the case in long car travel? Yeah, as long as you're considered, considered a traveller, which, uh, how, do you, how do you become a traveller? You intend to, com- uh, to perform a journey, to, to undertake a journey, which would be more than the minimum travel distance. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that intention, you leave your city limits. <coughs> so if you leave Glasgow intending to go to uh, Liverpool, as soon before you even get to Liverpool, as soon as you left Glasgow city limits, you're now a traveller. So as long as this condition is fulfilled, you shorten. So it doesn't matter what mode of transport you take. As you can appreciate in the times of Sahara, um, you could walk to a destination, you could go on a camel, or you could go on a horse. Mm-hmm. And horses can be pretty fast. So it's not the mode of transport, it's the... It's the, it's the the distance to the destination. Okay, and it's just related to that, a question for myself. So would you take, for example, we live in Glasgow, would we take the boundaries of uh, the Glasgow City Council or within the sort of greater Glasgow, which includes the suburbs of the of the city? Um, does Glasgow, is, is it a conurbation? Does it go into another, I don't know much about Glasgow. Is is it so it, another the way things are in Glasgow, there's like the City Council, um, which yeah. is sort of the you know, eighty or ninety percent of the of what we consider to be Glasgow, and then there's also suburbs, which you know, there's no uh, disconnection between the suburbs and what you would consider to be the 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 main city of Glasgow. So everyone considers it to be Glasgow, but just whether you consider it to be within Gra- uh, Glasgow or Greater Glasgow. All right. Um, if it's considered Glasgow, then as soon as you pass that point. Okay. Okay. Inshallah. Yeah. Let me let me give you another example. For example, London. Uh, there's many smaller areas within within London. But, like, for example, the city of Westminster, a small mm-hmm. area within it. Once you leave the city of Westminster, even though you might be in a different area, technically called London, mm-hmm. you know, that you've, you've, you've crossed your limit. Okay, I see. Okay, then. Yeah. Right. <coughs> Just another question that's come in, Sheikh. Um, if somebody has, they think, if I've missed my Salah for many, many years, how would I go about making up the Salah? Is there a certain thing to do, or would you just carry on fresh from the day? Um, uh, obviously, you carry on fresh with the current prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, you, you make those prayers up. Um, what you need to do, you need to make up the, the Fard prayers, so Fajr to Isha, and you need to make up Witr as well. So you don't make up any Sunnahs and you don't make up any Nafil prayers. Just the Fard and the Witr prayers. So the simplest thing to do is, uh, if it's from the point of puberty that, uh, that the prayers were missed, then... Um, you take, you know, you make a, a good guess at when you reach puberty, up until the day you, you start praying. So if it's ten years, eight years, take those prayers, 
And just to be on the safe side, add one or two percent or three percent. Okay. And then and make a plan and start making them up. Um, some people make up one day a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people do two. Um, uh, I, 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 I know I know a friend of mine. Um, he, he 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 was in a situation where he didn't have to work, and this is all he did. And for eleven months, this is all he was doing. He was he was That's making cool. up roughly a month every day. But <laughs> it's right. obviously beyond what most people can do. So a day a day is good. Okay, perfect. And in doing just with just reading your uh, salah as normal, um, they're asking, can you miss your sunnahs and your nuffles and just stick to the fard, or would you should you read it all this uh, each of your salah in complete full? What, when you have makeup prayers to make, um, both makeup and well, makeup and just just reading your salah in general, just every day. Uh, yeah, reading your general salah is not obviously. Um, you try you perform the sunnah prayers. The Prophet mm-hmm. wasallam, gave us these prayers, and literally they are a gift from the Prophet ﷺ. Once you understand the implications <coughs> of these prayers, um, yeah, they hold a great weight. Um, someone who habitually misses them uh, falls into sin, because it's seen as though you're kind of rejecting something the Prophet gave you. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I mean, okay. I mean, all you have to do is just if you just look at the prayers, uh, look at these sunnah and nafil prayers. For example, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us, whoever constantly performs four units before zuhr and four after, mm-hmm. so this will be the two sunnahs and two nafil. Mm-hmm. Whoever constantly performs these four before and four after, Allah will protect him from the hellfire. And the hell, the hellfire is a serious thing, so we, you know, it's a good idea to get as many barriers between yourself and the hellfire as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he he said about the two sunnahs of Fajr um, that they are more beloved to him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, than the entire world and everything in it. So if you imagine owning the entire world, all the money, all the properties, all the businesses, everything, having that option. Or praying the two two sunnahs of Fajr, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would choose the two sunnahs of Fajr. Right, that's their weight. That's their you know how, how consequential they are. So it's you know it, they should be performed. Okay, jazakallah khair. Just a reminder to uh, everyone listening in, if you do have a question um, for the Sheikh, Sheikh Abdul Rahim, then please do call in on 0141-375-3434. Um, obviously, we'll keep the questions anonymous if uh, if you do want. Like, I don't think we ne- me- ever mentioned names, do we? Also? No, not so far, anyway. Unless yeah, you um, want us to. You're more than welcome to. We'll give you a shout-out. Um, so, yeah, you can also contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio Ramadan. Um, Sheikh, I've got a question here um, about about someone who is um, they're they're praying in the library carpet, uh, probably at their school or university, and they're asking if they can pray with their shoes on. They're praying in the library corridor. Uh, no, it's just uh, they're saying they're praying on the library carpet. Um, oh, library carpet. Yeah, so they're asking if they can pray with their shoes on. Um, so, what what's the opinions on that? <coughs> yes, uh, they can pray with the shoes on. Okay, is there any preference in keeping your shoes off? Is that is that culture, or is there a reason why we normally take our shoes off during prayer? Um, well, no, it's, I mean, the only reason we take our shoes off is, is for cleanliness uh, purposes in the masjid. Um, but generally, um, if, if the floor is clean and your shoes are clean, you can play with them. There's no issue here. Okay, jazakallah khair. Shaykh, we have a um, question for those that are to do with Jummah prayer. 
him, we have a brother asking that he tends to miss his Juma prayer due to teaching. He's a primary school teacher. And also, I guess it goes for those that, that have office jobs and they aren't able to get out for a Juma prayer. Is there an exception to them for that um, for missing the prayer or should they be really trying to go for, uh, and read? Like, yeah, if when it's work or other other things, if if it's preventing them from uh, performing Juma, um, I mean, the best thing they can do Mm-hmm. is to perform their own Juma. So how is this done? Uh, for Juma, you need three people to be listening to the khutbah and uh, and just two people to be with the imam. So if there's three or four people in, in the workplace, then they can easily perform their own Juma. How is the khutbah done? According to Imam Abu Hanifa, the khutbah is literally any sort of dhikr. So a person could get up and say, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, sit down he sits for the length of time it takes to say three verses he gets up and he does the same again and that's the khutbah done that's okay. the technical the minimum legal aspect done and then and then they can just uh, perform the, the two rakahs of the Jummah prayer and that's done ok ok that's good to know yeah. then um, another question that's come as well um, for people when they go to read congregational prayer at the mosque um, they've noticed right. that some people after reading the fard prayer they'll put their hands up to read dua then but they're more used to reading their dua after reading the full salah is there any preference to reading dua after your fard or after everything else <clears throat> okay um, the wording of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has the word dubur dubur, dubur kulli salah or dubra salah which means after uh, but it can be interpreted in a couple of ways. Um, according to according to Imam Abu Hanifa, mm-hmm. um, the sunnahs after every after the prayer, so for Zuhur and Maghrib and Isha, for example, these sunnahs are directly connected to the prayer. So the sunnah is you say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Mm-hmm. Have a short dhikr and then you perform your sunnahs. So according to Abu Hanifa, the dua which is mentioned after the prayer is intended after you finished your sunnah. Right. Yeah. Okay. But if you were to stop and do it directly after the fard, there's no problem here either. If you do it after your fard, is there like a specific dua that you should read or is it just a dua that you're asking for whatever it may be that you're wanting to ask for? Yeah, ask for whatever you want. There's, no, there's nothing specific. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sheikh, we've got another question here um, yeah. about uh, about praying behind someone uh, who you know commits uh, haram actions and major sins. Um, should someone pray behind that person if they're aware of that person's sins? Mm, good question. Um, there's a bit of detail to this one. Um, if the person is doing something privately, right? Mm. Um, it's a private thing he's doing his best to conceal it, then he's not considered a fatik. Okay. You know, Let's say Allah, you know, we all have sinned. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to the effect that if you weren't, he's speaking to us. If you weren't to sin, Allah would get rid of you and replace you with the people who do sin, and then they ask for forgiveness so He can forgive them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so if the person is keeping keeping it private, then he's not a fasik. So you can pray behind him. If there's a person who is publicly um, uh, committing sins which are which, which all the schools agree that you know this is haram then in this situation it's better to avoid praying behind him okay and if you had prayed behind uh, such if a person you had, if you had prayed behind him um, there's um, 
there are two aspects when it, when it, if you're just purely looking at it from a purely legal perspective you've got the aspect of validity and you've got the aspect of preference mm-hmm. validity is um, can you can you if you're asked on the day of judgment did you perform this prayer can you say yes or no so yes if you pray behind him you can say yes and and then there's the other aspect is how good is this prayer and what's the quality of it mm-hmm. and it's this quality element that's diminished Sometimes it can be diminished so much that uh, the Sharia expe- uh, expects you to, to make the prayer up. Okay. I mean, it, it's like someone, you know, um, someone wants to give a, a flower to his wife. So you can either get um, a cheap, you know, half-dead flower from the supermarket with, <laughs> or, <laughs> that's been on the discount section, <laughs> or he can get a nice proper flower. But he's, he's given a flower in both situations, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between the two. Okay, yeah, so yeah. in that case it will obviously be valid, but yeah, the quality is different. Yeah. Um, Sheikh, we've had a couple more questions come in. Um, I'll, I'll fire straight right. into them. Um, the first of them is, is there a school of thought that places Tarabi above the Fard prayers? Uh, no, there isn't. Um, the Fard prayers are obviously uh, for, um, okay. having having been emphasized by the Prophet وسلم, in various hadiths. The Tarawish prayers are considered Sunnah and emphasized Sunnah. So Sunnahs are not higher than the Fard prayers. Okay, um, and I don't know if it's a question or not, but as part of that same thing, they've made a comment that many people don't read Fard but read Tarawi. Um I, I don't know if you have a comment to make on that. or. Uh, uh, it might be the fact that the rebellious jinn are locked up <laughs> in, Ramadan. <laughs> in Ramadan. So uh, there's hope for everyone, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Inshallah. Maybe the Taraweesh will be a door that Allah opens into Inshallah, uh, yes. improving their deen. Mm-hmm. Um, just another question that's come in again regarding the Tarawi prayer. Um, obviously, I'm guessing it's from a sister. She's asking, are ladies better reading the Tarawi at home or going to the masjid? So reason being she's asking is because she doesn't know the full Quran by heart. Or is there a preference for ladies to do one or other? Um, just a quick point. Um, you don't need the full Qur'an. I mean, the Taraweeh is just 20 rak'ahs, 20 units, mm-hmm. however much Qur'an you, you feel like reciting within them. Um, generally, it's, uh, it's superior for ladies to pray at home, but if there are situations like if, you know, if, if the company will encourage her, um, you know, so, some people might not have the same himma at home as they do in the company of other people. Mm-hmm. Now, if there are other such factors, or because the recitation you know, gives her more concentration in the prayer, uh, listening to someone else, then yes, um, there's no problem with, with praying in a masjid. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, we have another question through uh, regarding uh, the Fajr prayer. Um, somebody saying that they struggle, especially in the UK, I think, because the times of Fajr vary so much in comparison to other countries. Would there be an exemption for them being able to read that in the morning time when they wake up for work, for example, or should, regardless of the different times, they should still be getting up in the middle of the night? Um, are you talking about in, in, in summertime? Yeah, just for example, yeah. like a fudger's like at 2 o'clock in the morning, whereas, for example, but then comes to winter time, it can be at between 7, 8 a.m. Yeah. and people will be up regularly. Yeah. Um, no, the fudger prayer, um, it has to be performed within, from the start of the time until just before sunset. The prayer needs to be concluded before, uh, sorry, sunrise. The prayer needs to be concluded before sunrise. Mm-hmm. Um so if it's delayed beyond this point, um, it, 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 one is considered to be sinful. 
Like, okay. If you sleep through and you, you, you've got every intention of getting up, mm -hmm. but you just happen to sleep through, mm -hmm. then uh, you're, you're not sinful unless right. it becomes like a, a habit. So you know, you're going to bed extremely late deliberately mm -hmm. doing whatever, reading or on the internet, and then you end up missing it. Mm -hmm. Then this habit, then, then it, it can be sinful. Okay. Um, yeah. But for example, if you put your alarm on the middle before you went to sleep and you're like, my intention is to wake up for Fajr, but you didn't, then inshallah you'll gain some goodness from yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. perfect. Um, one, uh, um, one of the, the ulama, um, Mahmoud al-Alusi, he's got a fantastic tafsir of the Qur'an called Ruh al-Ma'ani, the very soul of the meanings of the Qur'an. Mm -hmm. um, he mentions that, um, he mentions the narration, whoever recites the last five verses, of Surah Al-Kahf before going to sleep, mm -hmm. Allah will send an angel to wake him up whenever he, he wants to wake up. No, uh, no. This is tried and tested. You know, this has been tried and tested made by many people, uh, and it, it does work. So that's the last five verses of Surah Al-Kahf. Yeah. Okay, inshallah. Okay. Just a quick question, my own personal question, actually. If when you're a traveler and you uh, shorten your prayers. Um, yeah. When it comes to your Fajr Salah, would you just read your two first, or would you still read your two Sunnah? Because I'm, I'm sure I've read like a obviously correct me if I'm wrong. I've read a hadith that is very good, obviously to read your two Sunnah uh, prayers for Fajr. But would it be different if you were a traveller? Right. Um, <clears throat> as for the shortening, only Dhuhr, Asr, and Isha are shortened. Okay. And Fajr is prayed as two, and Maghrib is prayed as three. Uh, with regard to the Sunnah, mm -hmm. uh, the two Sunnahs of Fajr, even if you're traveling, it, you should try to do them. Okay. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa rarely left them, even when he was traveling. Okay. So he did his best to perform the two Sunnahs of Fajr. Um, the other Sunnahs, the, uh, the, what the scholars mention is, if you're in the process of traveling, you're driving, and you're just gonna, you've got time to stop off to pray and then keep going. In these situations, leave your Sunnahs. Just pray the fard and then continue with your journey. But if you're in a situation where you're just waiting around, say you're at the airport, you've got three hours to your flight, mm -hmm. then yes, perform all your sunnahs. And there's, there's no excuse, there's no reason to miss them. Okay, Jazakallah khair. Um, yeah. Shaykh, we were talking about uh, Darabi prayers earlier. Um, yeah. So there was a hadith I heard before, um, I can't remember exactly, but perhaps you'll know about how the Prophet said if you pray uh, Tarawi with the Imam until he finishes, um, it will be recorded as if you spent the entire night in prayer. Um, does that mean it's only in the mosque if you get that reward? And also, um, is that uh, let's say there's a mosque that prays eight rakahs, um, would that person also get that reward of praying the whole night? Um, if it's eight rakahs, or would it have to be twenty? Right. Um, I'm not aware of that particular hadith. Okay. Um, there is the hadith, um, let me say that whoever prays Isha in the masjid or in a group, he gets the reward of worshipping half the night. And whoever prays Fajr in a group gets the, worship of, of, gets the reward of worshipping the other half of the night. Mm. So um, performing these two uh, in the masjid or with a group, with that will ensure that you get the reward for the whole night of worship. Um, uh, as for the Taraweeh, 8 or 20, <laughs> this is a, a, a big issue. Um, generally, the four schools agree that uh, it is 20 rakahs. And this is what the practice of the Ummah has been since the beginning. Even if, you, for example, if you go to Makkah, the practice in Makkah has been 20 throughout the history of Islam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, Jazakallah Khair. Just a quick reminder to our listeners to phone in. You have about 10 minutes or so left for the end of the show. Uh, the phone number is 0141 375 um, Just on to the next question, Sheikh, um, with regards to reading in congregation, obviously you need to try and fit everyone into the same line, but say, for example, you came in slightly late and you'd be starting a new line by yourself. Is that still permissible? You'd be counted as a congregational, even though it'd be just you by yourself in that line? Um, there's a bit of detail to this. Um, just as a personal observation, I've seen sometimes when people stand, they don't stand next to each other. Like there's usually there's sometimes a bit of a gap, mm-hmm. a few centimeters. So I've found that sometimes you can go and you can nudge people, just pushing them gently on the shoulder, and they'll move up. So sometimes okay. you might make enough space to get in. Uh, but let's say, like you asked, you know, the road's full. You turn up what you're supposed to do. Um, in the ideal world. Um, if you t- the row starts technically starts behind the imam so if you tap the shoulder of the person who's um, behind the imam he's expected to step back and make a second row with you mm-hmm. and the rest of the first row are expected to do shuffle up and to close that gap the scholars mention however that you know um, due to um, a lack of knowledge um, uh, in, in with some individuals uh, and in some in some times and places, uh, this might uh, this might not be the best thing to do. I mean, you can imagine someone who he doesn't know this ruling, and you're there tapping him on his shoulder uh, before you start praying with him. He might get offended. Him. So they say in this situation where it, it's likely that someone will not know the ruling, you wait, wait behind him, and wait until the imam goes into ruku. If someone comes to join you, mm-hmm. excellent. You've got you, you've got a row. You've got two people. But if no one joins you, just perform the takbir and then go into ruku with him and just continue the prayer. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, Sheikh, we've got another question here. Um, yeah? When I'm with a group of friends, how do we choose the imam? How do you choose the imam? Okay, bismillah. Um, well, the default setting is um, <clears throat> you choose the, uh, someone who has the most knowledge uh, of the prayer itself. He knows what's fard, what's wajib, uh, what's the sunnah, what's makru, what will invalidate the prayer. Mm-hmm. So if something was to happen, he can he can uh, save the prayer from become, being invalid. Um, so that's the, that's the first choice. If everyone's on the same level, then you pick someone who's got the nicest, um, who, who knows more Quran and he's uh, got more perfection in, in the delivery of the Quran in, in the recitation. And if this is the same, then you, you pick the, the whoever has the most God-fearing and then the eldest of the group. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. perfect. If, just, if, just, just to add to that, um, if you're in someone's house, he generally has, providing all the, he, he generally has uh, the right to lead the prayer. Unless okay. the someone obviously much more qualified than him. In which case, in which case, he should appoint. He should ask the other person to lead the prayer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. We um, actually have a caller on air that was just wanted to ask a question, Sheikh, if you wouldn't mind. Um, yes. Just have him yeah. here. Assalamualaikum, caller. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing, brother? Wa alaikum assalam. Um, alhamdulillah. How are you doing? How's your Ramadan? Alhamdulillah, going very well. Assalamualaikum, Sheikh. Hope you are well, inshallah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Yes, alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah, you're the one. Sheikh, my uh, question was uh, uh, a personal to myself in, this, in regards that uh, if one 
I myself suffer nosebleed sometimes and some what would be the manner or the, the correct way if I was to experience that during Salah? How would I uh, you know, how how would I excuse or uh, what would what procedure would I need to follow in order to obviously purify myself and do wudu if blood started to to bleed from my nose? Okay. Uh, um obviously the first thing is you stop the blood from spreading, so you just cover your nose with your hand. And if you're praying alone, you can just go to the bathroom, stop the nosebleed, make wudu, and um, perform the prayer again. Um, there are some. There is a situation where if your prayer breaks, you can go off, make wudu, come back, and then join at the from the start from the exact same point, just to continue. Generally, this is quite a, quite a few details, so it's best to just start afresh. Um, if you're in a group or in a masjid and your nose starts to bleed once again, just cover your nose, stop it, stop the blood from spilling. And if you can't get out, just sit down. Just wait until the prayer's over and then go off and uh, make you do again. Okay, perfect. Jazakallah yeah. Thank you to the caller for phoning in. Appreciate you phoning. Just the next question, um, Sheikh, we've had from one of our callers uh, with regards to um, ladies in attending the Friday prayer. Is there any specific ruling for them that they must attend, or if they would they just read the normal Zohar prayer in their house or wherever they may be at that time? Um, yeah, ladies are not obliged to pray the Friday prayer. They don't have to pray it. Um, if the opportunity exists, there's a masjid that has the facilities and mm-hmm. they wish to do so, there's nothing wrong with this. Um, you know, in fact, you know, it's rewarded. But mm-hmm. um, if they just pray Zohar at home, there's no problem with this either. Okay, Jazakallah Khair. Um, there's a question here about someone who th- their local mosque recites the Shahada out loud um, after prayer. Uh, is, is this correct? Mm, okay. <coughs> I mentioned early on that uh, Abu Hanifa's position is once you, you, you've, you've, you've given the two salams, uh, you, you do a short dhikr. Mm. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam Ibrahim. Then you get up and pray your sunnahs um, There's another position in the school That you can sit there And continue to make zikr mm. um, Loud or quiet Ayatul Kursi The 33 subhanallah For example um, uh, This second position Is uh, it, It's valid But it's, it, it's, it's in second place Basically mm-hmm. Abu Hanifa's original position is fine. So if um, if after the salam they're reciting the shahada out loud, there's no issue with this because they technically they're fulfilling the sunnah of the zikr after the prayer. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's not something that's obligatory that you have to do it out loud or in a group or whatever. If someone felt like doing something otherwise, there's no issue with this. Okay. And what about um, there are some mosques or some people that say amin out loud in the prayer? And then some that say it uh, within themselves. Um, would you be able to explain um, the, the why why some people say that and why some don't? Um, it's based on uh, the interpretation of some of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's a hadith that says that um, when the Imam says "Amin," um, and the angels also say "Amin," so whoever's "Amin" coincides with that of the angels, all of his past sins are forgiven. So some of the scholars said, well, the only way you, you'd know, uh, whoever the imam, I mean, can coincide with the imams and the angels. So some of them said, well, the only way you'd know this is if the imams said it out loud. 
and so they said the Imam says it out loud and the followers do so as well it's based on uh, the ishtihad and understanding of certain ahadith both interpretations um, are fine um, according to some scholars okay Jazakallah yeah. Sheikh um, just yeah. one question uh, we've had with regards to prayers I'm, I'm assuming it'll be nafal prayers between uh, Asr and Maghrib time is, or, is yeah. that permissible or is it um, something which you should try and avoid to do between those two Salah times Excuse me. Um, once you've prayed the fard of Asr, mm-hmm. uh, you're not allowed to perform any nafil prayers until after Maghrib comes in, comes in whatsoever. Okay. The only thing you would be allowed to do is um, is is the qaba of a missed prayer. You missed a prayer a month ago, for example, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you prayed Asr and you want to make that prayer up. You can do so after Asr, but. Um, you have to uh, you have to do it before the color of the sun starts changing when it go, gets more reddish mm-hmm. um, when you can actually look at the sun uh, without it um, being too bright for your eyes at that point this is a makruh time for Asr it's just like to delay Asr until this point mm-hmm. um, so after Asr you can pray any sort of qada uh, of a wajib or a fard prayer but before this point before the sun changes color okay um, just yeah. another question sorry for myself I wanted to ask um, say for example if you missed one of your salah prayers um, for whatever reason it had been and say for example you missed your asr prayer and it came to the time of maghrib should you read your maghrib first and then make up qaza of your asr or should you do the asr first and then go into your maghrib right um, okay you need to uh, if you've missed five prayers mm-hmm. in, your, in your life five prayers or, or, or more you can pray Maghrib first. Okay. Yeah? You miss Asr, but you've also missed two years worth of prayers in the past. Mm-hmm. But uh, you miss Asr, pray Maghrib in its time, then, then pray Asr. If you if you haven't missed five prayers or more, mm-hmm. then in this situation, what you, um, you this so this includes the five, five, five prayers and the Witter, but we're not making Witter as sixth prayer. Yeah? Okay. So in, in this situation, um, let's say you've, you're up to date, you, you haven't missed a single prayer, you miss Asr, Maghrib comes in, you need to pray Asr first and then Maghrib. Right, right, okay, yeah. okay, perfect. But for the same, same situation sometimes, for example, if someone has never missed a prayer and he just happens to miss Fajr and he goes to Jummah, right, and he walks in, um, before the Jummah prayer he needs to pray Fajr. Right, I see, I, I see, I see. Yeah. Okay, perfect, Jazakallah here. Um, yeah. We have about two minutes left of the show. Um, we just have one quick question in in terms of uh, husband and wife praying in congregation together. Is there any ruling in terms of how they would work that if it's just two of them together, or would it just be with the husband read the akama and then read the, uh, the namaz themselves, or how would that work? Yeah, the husband and wife uh, praying together. Um, the husband would read the ikama. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like for ladies to. Uh, to perform the, the iqama so the husband would, would lead the iqama and he would lead the prayer mm-hmm. um, as for where to stand she can stand next to him but she needs to be behind him um, so her shins should not be parallel to his shins uh, when they stood together so she should be a, a step or so behind him Okay, uh, and that would be fine yeah okay perfect Okay, Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh. Um, well, that, that concludes today's show, but we really would like to thank you. Um, for no, thank you very much. 
for for coming on. Oh, I've been told we actually have one and a half minutes left. Um, we do have actually I have one quick question. So see if you're praying by yourself. Um, yeah. Is uh, I, I know it's sunnah to do I believe the adhan and iqama, but should you do that even when you're by yourself? Um, it's a sunnah to do uh, if you're by yourself as well. Okay. Um, uh, if it, if you miss the prayer in the mosque and you don't do it, there's no problem. Okay. Is it okay? Yeah. You, but if you are in the mosque, is it okay doing the iqama even by yourself after the prayer has been prayed in the congregation? Yeah, yeah, you would do. You wouldn't do it very loud, uh, but yeah, um, okay. it's perfectly fine. It's a sunnah to do so. Yeah. And we've asked. We, well, we've got time for one more question actually. So, um, uh, if if you hear yeah. the Quran on a tape and you hear the um, the sajda tilawa, um, where I believe you need to do a sajda, um, would you do that? Would you, do you have to do it every time you hear it? Uh, with the recording, no, you wouldn't. This is only done if you hear it live or if you recite it yourself. Okay. Um, yeah. And does it? So there's no situation in which, if it's live, you wouldn't have to do the sajda. There's no situation if it's live, you wouldn't have to do the sajda. Uh, yeah. Um, so, for example, let's yeah. say you're reciting in the car. Um, would you, when you got out of the car, would you then do a sajda or? Um, if it's practically not possible. Then obviously you can delay until it is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it should be done eventually. Yeah, it should be done eventually. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sometime. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Well, uh, it's again, Sheikh. We really do appreciate you coming on, and I know you have no, a very no, no, busy no schedule. Anytime. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.